0: Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory story,
1: plus plenty of life and business lessons
0: along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's Matt Browning, and I'm here with my next guest, dr. Aaron L Smith dr. Smith is an expert with stem and workplace readiness and is known around the world for his work when I met Aaron I was very excited to have this conversation about about the education system about how to improve it and how to make it better uh, I'm an alternative educator myself with adult education using you know doing NLP training and doing live workshop seminars and a big part of my focus has always been on how do you change the the learning environment, and how do you make this the best it could possibly be for whoever your student and clienteles are. So Aaron is especially working on STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and about how that's going to transition into workplace readiness for uh, future workers. He's been an adjunct professor at Old Dominion University and Christopher Newport University. He's a two-time bestselling author. His book is called Awakening Your STEM School. And a new book coming out later this year is going to be The Blank Check, Recreating America's Broken Schools, which that is, again, that's the reason why I was so excited to have him come on the show. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Matt. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm absolutely blessed, and, and I want to get into this. So you've been working for over two decades in the classroom as a mathematics teacher and at the administrator level. What's the difference in your mind? with experience wise from someone from a teaching perspective versus a administrator perspective. Do you find that's different personalities, different takes on problems and solutions? And you have both. I'm curious on what your take and perception would be.
1: As a teacher, you're, you're focused on your classes in general, obviously how are the kids achieving and you really have the ability to create some really strong relationships when it comes to managing as an administrator. That's when you have the ability to look at schools overall.
0: Now tell me about tell me about administering uh puppy dogs when they're running around the house. <laughs> I'm that, sorry.
1: <laughs> no problem. Sorry. Is, is that easy to do? What's the dog's name? Um Briar. So Breyer. he's got a little bit of a hound mix and just the funniest things will take him off so um apparently he must have got into something he shouldn't have so i can't wait to find out what's going to be in a few minutes well and that's what it always is right it's like you know
0: my, my son always knows when i'm recording a podcast because he that's when he wants to jump up and down the dogs always know when you're doing something important so so let's get back to tell me a little bit about again what what
1: the difference is in perspective for you. and we'll let briar just hang out I'll Let briar just hang out okay <laughs> all right so <clears throat> that said when you think about it as an administrator you are really responsible for a lot of things because you're going to get more than more urgent problems. For example, a kid that's homeless, you may not have known that as a teacher per se because they may not have been in your class. But if they're in your building, that then becomes a top priority because you want to make sure, are they getting the food that they need? You know, are they getting um, the clothes? Are they getting the supplies? And you're actually able to make some good decisions and hopefully some good vision planning that changes and shapes the culture of the building.
0: So as the administrator, would you say that you actually have more, I don't know if power is the right word, but more ability, more opportunity to intervene or to, to change the way something is?
1: You have the ability to make the questions answered. Um, and when I say that is if you look at a certain situation, you know what's in your realm of possibility. And that could be contacting a social worker. If it's a homeless situation, you, you contact the central office folks to find out what kind of options there are. You then turn your partners at churches and your community centers and say, what can we do to help them? Um, you know, so there is some flexibility with that, but you still have those guidelines and procedures that are in place to keep everybody safe along the way. You
0: as a math teacher... It- was most of your teaching time in mathematics or something similar and do you have a like a propensity for that is that your your mindset or have you done all sorts of different types of things and i'm curious on kind of on the take on personality right like are are we predetermined as great at math or terrible at math what's your take
1: when i when i actually went to college you know people used to joke at me and say my major was baseball Um, But I slowly (laughs) learned that baseball is not going to pay the money that I need to do for the bills. So then I remembered how much fun I had back in high school. I had three incredible math teachers who really left that positive impression on me. And I just, it clicked with me. Numbers really were fun to me. Um, I can't say calculus was, but definitely, you know, the algebras and the statistics and things like that. So you know, that's what I went in to be. Um, believe it or not, when I, when I started off with the math degree, I said, let me see what's out there as a possibility. And of course, Jackson Hewitt was offering me $17,000 back then. And it seemed like a lot of money. But when I went into teaching, I was making 11000 more because it's usually the other way around. You make less money as a teacher and more money in the private sector.
0: So the only way you can make less money as a starting teacher is to be a starting mathematician.
1: It definitely can help because a lot of times what human resources will do is that's considered a critical shortage area. So they may pay you a bonus, depending on the locality, um, to give you the opportunity to stay there. And also in a critical area, let's say it's a foreign language person or a career tech ed teacher or a math or science teacher person sometimes they have the choice of where they want to go and the subjects they want to get and that could be a deal breaker for a school because they're limited and they need person x for subject y do you
0: think people's people people's brains and development either take to mathematics engineering maybe even i don't know if it's accurate to lump lump different stem all the stems involved in one but let's start with math do you feel like people grow in having an ability towards mathematics or not, just in how their brains interpret, how they process reality around them? Or do you feel like it's a talent or a skill that anybody can learn and the playing ground is equal no matter who you are?
1: I, I think this is just my personal opinion. I think we're born with individual strengths and, and talents, and it's, it's our ability to find them and to interact them. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard of, um, let's see, Gardner's Multiple Intelligences, where you've got kinesthetic, lingual, um, and all those intelligences where people utilize that primary modality to interpret and learn. So over a course of time, you know, hopefully what people will successfully do is be able to connect concepts and connect auditory to kinesthetics and kinesthetics to linguistics, and then all that creates some beautiful effort moments that teachers crave and want all their kids to see
0: so in your opinion if you are able to use and we teach that a lot in the neurolinguistic programming field and nlp um, with adult learning and with kids as well mm-hmm. you know you and we try to incorporate visual auditory and kinesthetic modalities to learn right so in your opinion if you if you incorporate those Do you have a better chance at learning on subjects like, let's call it mathematics, that some people grew up not being good at it? Some people grew up being great at it without much work. Do you feel like you could help someone who doesn't get it, get it more if you incorporate all of those for every student?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, back in the good old days, and I'm talking about um, 20s and 30s, and sometimes even through today, people still teach what I call the drill and kill method. And don't give kids or learners a true chance to respond, to be creative, to really learn in depth the way they should. And that's what the research says, is the more active learning you're doing and the more student-centered learning that you're capable of doing, the higher you're going to learn this and the more confident you're going to grow. And that truly is the secret to a great student, which echoes into truly what a great employee needs to be doing.
0: This is Dr. Aaron L. Smith, uh, researcher, educator, administrator, and a huge proponent of the STEM process, or I don't know if the process is the right word, but using STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So I'm excited we're picking his brain about how to, how to first off, engage uh, not just kids, but you know, let's call it kids, engage students in learning methods and how to get more students with different personalities, different learning styles to engage more. Um, In a traditional school, Doctor Aaron L. Smith, I like. I'm going to call you Doctor Aaron. Is that okay? You can call me Aaron. I mean, either one's fine. I mean, Doctor, it is. So, Doctor Aaron, (laughs) most schools, at least the schools I went to, I I didn't grow up with any kind of a, a STEM. You know, I had math class, and that was in science, and that was about it. There wasn't a. What's the difference between a school that has STEM, quote unquote, versus a school that just has a science classes and a computer lab and so forth?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. When you talk about the classes that we grow up in, a traditional science class was really taught in a silo where you're focusing on creating labs, um, learning the background and methodology of science procedures. And you're talking about math. You're talking about just plugging and chugging the formulas. When you integrate STEM, you're taking down the silos and you're creating a network of opportunities. What do you mean when you say silo? Break that down for me. I don't understand the example. Basically there's no integration of uh, cross-subjects, interdisciplinary learning. Uh, We call it vertical alignment in some cases. So
0: when you learn math in math class, you're just learning math for the sake of math. Correct. When you learn science, you're learning science for the sake of science or biology, but you're not connecting the, going into different contexts and applying them together. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's exactly right. Okay. Give me an example. In a biology class, they could be learning about Punnett squares. Well, Punnett squares is a little bit of math, but if you talk about a specific species of something, you can tie in Fibonacci's numbers in addition to the Punnett squares and then really see both of them in action.
0: And in the Fibonacci sequence, if, if someone's not familiar with it, this is basically like the, the mathematics behind seashells and spiral. And you see that in nature so much, whether it's a plant or an animal. And really, it's, you're looking at mathematics in biology And seeing those things together, are there other examples besides math and biology and biology and math? What about say, I mean, I'm assuming tech, there's probably an engineering, there's some obvious crossovers.
1: Oh, there's, there's tons of crossovers. Um, I'll give you an example that we've been seeing in in schools recently. Um, We actually have an aerospace engineering class where I work at and our kids are learning how to build airfoils that are actually going to go inside a wind tunnel for us to test. So what they're doing is the kids in the engineering class are using an Autodesk, which is a CAD feature, and then creating it with 3D printers. And then they're gonna mount it to the 3D, um, to the wind tunnels to be tested. So what our maintenance kids are doing is they're creating one out of foam, and they're perfecting it, and then they'll be kind of comparing to see, you know, how accurate is one model versus the other. You can tie in math, you can tie in engineering. there's so many levels of complexity. it just depends on what the user wants to do with it.
0: so what it sounds to me like is the the one the big benefit of bringing STEM in is what I'm hearing is like if i if I'm a student, i'm starting to look into the future more than the present. so is there an emphasis on studying and learning for the sake of application versus the way we grew up mostly, which is studying for the application of taking a test what's your Philosophy on that, and what's how do you interact with uh, standardized testing, test taking in comparison to real-world application and cross-contextualizing things?
1: What I tell everybody is, if you focus on creating student-centered products and critical thinking, the scores for the test will be there. And and I'm such a firm believer in that because when you think about it, we teach to the test too many times. And it doesn't give people a chance to really answer their curiosities. But if you take it to the highest level of learning, the costless level of learning, or the Eggerdale's cone of learning, where it says 90% of kids are touching, tasting, exploring, acting out, doing all those um, agility type of things, that's when everything comes together. And then that echoes into what we need for the future. There's jobs going to be out there 10 and 20 years that we haven't even thought about now, but the only people that are going to be successful in them are the ones who are doing the things on the cutting edge in the classrooms now.
0: What kind of job can you get if you learn everything for a test? I guess you could be a test grader. Maybe that's the only option.
1: <laughs> well, the, the sad thing is you're not, you're really not going to get anything, um, you're going to get a diploma, but really you're going to be very limited in scope because you're not going to be able to to do the things that the employers really need you to do and that step outside that boundary zone a little bit because they have a product that they're trying to get offline and nobody knows how to deal with.
0: I couldn't agree more when it comes to to real-world application of the testing. So this is interesting. So we, we have just a brief time together, but I'd love to find w- what is your... What is your solution? How how would you like to see STEM integrated? Are we looking at elementary school level? Are we looking at public school, private school, um, trade schools? What's the best place that it has been used in? And then where, can, where should we look to the future to have more STEM and more real-life application?
1: I think the best place that it has been in for quite some times is maybe the regional centers where they're working on welding or nursing. Um, you know, things in those professions where they focused on a trade because they've really ironed out some of those things over the courses of time. But to me, the best way to do this is it needs to be in every single classroom across America. I don't care if it's private or public college, um, university, it needs to be everywhere because really STEM and career tech ed are the catalyst in changing our economy. If we want to continue being in the forefront of the world with technology and resources and availability, we have to invest in these classrooms and the teachers to make them successful.
0: And if you'd like to help to do this, whether you're a parent in the PTA with a kid in school, whether you're administrator an educator yourself, if you have anything to do with education whatsoever, um, you should definitely consider and follow uh, Dr. Aaron Smith. His website is wr.solutions. So not a .com, but it's WR.solutions. Type that in and you'll go right there. And uh, Aaron, you have a grant funding checklist, how to receive free grant money for your school, your organization. Um, and just to, uh, uh, real briefly, if you can tell us just the benefit of that, and then you're going to go to WR.solutions yes. to grab a free grant funding checklist. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that real quick.
1: And one of the reasons that I've done this is... it it, just like any school system in America, much less the world, you're so focused on a budget and the budgets really don't allow you to expand a vision or to build a dream. So what's the next best thing you have to do? You need to find grants and other revenues to create those, those think tanks, those opportunities. And this is what I've created over the years of just trial and error is the checklist for people to see firsthand, you know, make sure you're doing X, Y, Z. Make sure you're submitting it on time. Make sure you qualify for it. You know, things that, unfortunately, I learned the hard way after spending countless hours of trying to perfect an application. And, you know, rather than reinventing the wheel, I think we need to help each other. And that's part of my first steps is to give that person or those people the opportunity to learn from it.
0: There are a lot of free money sources out there for grant writing. You need to get the grant funding checklist for your school, your organization, whether, again, you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're an administrator. If you have anything to do with education, make sure you check it out. Also, uh, you can follow Aaron and his business at Workplace Readiness Solutions on Facebook and LinkedIn. Make sure you check out the website, wr.solutions, and you can get your free grant funding checklist and help us get more STEM in school and have more job readiness uh, in the workplace for our kids and our future. Uh, Dr. Aaron Smith, thank you so much for coming on the show. I sure appreciate it. I had an awesome chat, and I'd love to pick your brain and maybe have you back on another time to talk a little more on the education world.
1: Thanks, Matt. This is a lot of fun, and I appreciate you, you sharing the dream that I have of giving our kids a bright future.
0: Thank you so much. Guys, thanks. That's the show for today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. We're all over. You can go to mattbrowningpodcast.com and you can pick it up on the platform you're choosing. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, uh, uh, all of them. You know, iTunes, of course, Google Play, whatever you want. Of course, if you're listening in the car and you're in Chicago, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I sure appreciate your time. Have an awesome, awesome day. Have an awesome week. Get out there as usual and crush it.